the three month mark, I, I said I, I was leaving and it took them another month or so to find somebody. So I ended up being there between five and six months when I originally wanted to leave at eight weeks. And I remember somebody saying, wow, you really, really hit a milestone because, you know, this is the type of job where people go to lunch and never come back. We've all heard stories about crazy bosses, and maybe you've had one. So what do you do if you find yourself in a crazy boss situation at work? Hi, this is Diana Burnell O'Leary with Job Talk Weekly. I talk with Tamara Zumalin about a crazy boss she survived years ago in Beverly Hills and things we can actually learn from these situations and hopefully prevent. We also talk about how to park a Bentley. Let's jump in. Hi, Tamara. Welcome back to Job Talk Weekly. Thank you for having me again. We originally spoke to you about going back to school and becoming an acupuncturist. But since then, I put out the call for crazy boss stories, and you did not disappoint. So you had a crazy (laughs) boss situation. Tell me a little bit about the job and where it was without specifics. Oh, sure. When I was in acupuncture school, I got this brilliant idea that I needed to understand the legalities and the ins and outs of a medical office. So I thought I should go get a job working for a doctor, really in any capacity. I would have worked at the front desk. I would have done back office work. I would have done assistant work, any of that. So I did that. I I applied and I was um, hired to work for a high-end physician here in Los Angeles. And bonus points is it was up from the street from me, so I, I would just have to drive about a half a mile to, to go to that job. And that was really beneficial to me when I was in acupuncture school as well, to not have a commute anywhere. In Los Angeles, that's a really big deal. And um, I, I can't even pinpoint the moment where it started to go downhill, but <laughs> it was pretty rapid. And my favorite story about that job altogether is that he feared for his life. And I don't know why. And actually, that's kind of sad if you if I look back on it, really. Wait, Grown he, man. he feared for his life? How did you know that? Life. He always felt like somebody was after him. And I, I never asked specifics because, I don't know, I was in my 20s. I, did, I didn't really want to know. And I, I didn't want to have to have that conversation. So he had a gun in a small holster under his desk. Okay. That Ready to fire. So he could have reached under his desk. It was Velcroed to the little, um, like the pencil tray in the middle. It was yeah. Velcroed to, to that little tray underneath. So he could reach under with his right hand, have it ready to fire in a split second. And I was terrified that I was going to get shot every time I walked into the office. And so I would click my heel and ruffle papers whenever I walked in. And that was sort of my my Pavlovian uh, um approach to it so he would know that that was me like click of the heel ruffle the papers and then that was me I would appear a second later that's but that's kind of I mean it is it is funny now but I'm sure at the time it was kind of scary and you know when you called me and told me about this you're not the only one because I remember my roommate many years ago also had a boss who had a gun in the office and I, I hope that things have changed but it just floored me that people thought and these weren't in security jobs I mean these were office jobs you were in a doctor's office and she was in a downtown office. I mean, the fact that these people thought that bringing a gun to the office was okay um, just boggles my mind. And, you know, he never took it home with him. It always stayed right there in the office in that holster. Which is dangerous itself because then someone could find it. And I think one of the takeaways, though, Tamara, is that 
you know, when you work for a small office, it is different than working for a large place. And, and that's not always the case. I mean, there can be small offices, uh, small business owners who run a really tight ship. But a lot of times when you have a small business, they don't have the same standards. They don't have the same HR policies in place. And there's not as much accountability. So that can be, I think, some of the risks of working for a small place if indeed you end up with someone um, like your doctor in Beverly Hills. So it's a little wacky. So one of my jobs was I had to take care of all of his cars and I had to go wash and gas a Bentley. And I, when I would pull into the garage, I, I hope I can say this as, as, uh, as precisely as I can. I had to park in a very specific spot in the garage, but I'm in a car, so I can't like see where I'm actually parking, where I'm putting the tires down. Correct. Yeah. So I, there was a, piece of tape straight ahead in my eyes like my head had to be at that piece of tape and so I'd pull forward like inch forward creep 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 and then when I would turn my head to the left and look over my left shoulder there was another piece of tape that I had to be looking directly at so that the car was in the exact same spot every single time at the office or at his home at his home (laughs) so you got to drive the Bentley did you ever take it for a spin like in Ferris Bueller well, um, I'll tell you that off record, but um, one time when he get to, went to get back in the car in the morning, like I had dropped it off and somebody brought me back to the office, it was blasting KLOS, and I forgot to turn the radio down. <laughs> Did he remind you of that? Oh, yes. Oh, he was furious, furious, and accused me of taking his car for a joyride. I may or may not have. I may not or may not. Don't know. Don't remember. <laughs> We were not going to hold you to it here. Um, What other things did you start to see as red flags that this was not going to be the long haul for you? Well, you know, one of the first weeks I was there, I want to say it was probably in the first week, I wore a pantsuit to work and I was told that he didn't like women in pantsuits, that it was going to be in my best interest to always wear a dress. And if that dress became what was above my knees, if that dress, dress came above my knees, that was going to be even better. So there was always a problem there with, with some misogynistic, just sort of macho thing going on with him. So I am very pleased that I don't have to put up with anything like that anymore, but I knew early on I was in the wrong spot and I learned down the line because I put in my my notice at three months like I'm like, I'm like even at, at about eight weeks in where I'm like this is the most miserable situation I have ever been in I thought I needed to stick it out for a full three months I'll never do that again and I don't recommend that to anybody but the three-month mark, I, I said I, I was leaving, and it took them another month or so to find somebody. So I ended up being there between five and six months when I originally wanted to leave at eight weeks. And I remember somebody saying, wow, you really, really hit a milestone because, you know, this is the type of job where people go to lunch and never come back. So the fact that you were here for five months is really record. Yeah, and it's interesting. It, was it another manager, an office manager, that told you about what to wear? It was the girl who was training me because she stayed on board for about two weeks and she's like, you you just don't ever want to show up in pants. Yeah. And some people put up with stuff for a long time. And sometimes if you are in a bad situation and it's kind of hard to get out financially, I get it. But I think this is another example of why it's so important to have three to six month savings, at least three months in the bank in case you do find out that there's some craziness at work and you have to leave because, you know, workplace violence is a real 
real thing. And even if it's not that violent, just the notion of the mental abuse and being in a situation where it's degrading, you know, no one needs that. And it's easier to leave if you do have a little bit of a financial cushion. So good for you for getting out. I mean, what was that conversation like when you gave notice? I just walked in and I said to him, you know, I just don't think this is working out because I was in acupuncture school. I could use that as an excuse. I said, I just don't think this is working out with my school schedule and um, I'm going to spend more time studying. You know, I was in my third year of acupuncture school, so it was really intense by then. And I said, you know, it's just time for me to leave and, and spend this last year finishing up my, my education. And so I'm going to go. And um, he just looked at me and he wasn't at all surprised. And then he said, you're a lot taller than I thought you were. So that's it. That was the line. Like he had never noticed you before. That's it. He kind of looked at my hairline. Then he looked down at the floor. Then he looked back up at my hairline, past my eyes and said, you're a lot taller than I thought you were. That was it. So part of your experience there was you wanted to learn about a medical office because you as an acupuncturist was going to then open your own office. Do you ever think about that and think about how I'm doing things 100 percent differently than our friend, the doctor in Beverly Hills? Oh, my gosh, yes. Absolutely. I, I I can't think of a specific example, but it's definitely a much more nurturing, loving environment in my office than it was in that office. And um, I couldn't compare them, but I could not compare them. Do you know what I'm saying? I can't think of a specific example of how different my space is from his space. But um, I, I do know that I, I, I don't fear for my life. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like right yeah. there, that's that's like the bar. But I think that's yeah. also a re- an important reminder is that we always want to work for a great boss because we want to learn from them. You know, we want someone to mentor us and we want to learn good Absolutely. things. But this is also another way of saying that you can learn a lot from a terrible boss. You can learn what not to do, how not to behave. And it's these scars, unfortunately, that we carry that we say, I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to do that to somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I'm just glad that that part of my life is behind me. And I hope to never have to take a job that I don't want to stick around in ever again. For sure. So, you know, you also mentioned that this was a long time ago when you were younger. And I think sometimes when it is the very beginning of our career, or even if you're just caught off guard, these situations are really hard to handle. But tell us what you would recommend to someone who is in a similar boat. They're in their young 20s. They've only been in the workforce for a few years. Like how to watch out for the signs or how to make a move. Like, What would you say to someone today to watch out for that behavior and, and take action about it? I would say, you know, your network is so much bigger among peers in your 20s. I would say talk to your friends and see what's happening at their jobs. You might find that you what what um, you're experiencing might not be as bad as you think it is or might be worse than you think it is. But when you get some input from other people, you will feel like you can make a better decision. And that's what I did. I I would have somebody, if I had to call him out of town in one of his vacation homes, I would get so upset about it because he was, he was just so not very nice that I would have somebody on the phone with me. I would three way in somebody with me so I could have a witness to my conversations to make sure that I was not being unreasonable. And sure enough, I was not being unreasonable. I was a very, very good assistant and I was doing my job to my expectations and above and beyond. And, and to 
anticipating the needs of him and anticipating the needs of the company and anticipating the needs of the people around me and getting my job done, um, he was just an unreasonable, not nice guy. Well, and you also mentioned something else about getting validation, like from a third party um, or capturing this information. I mean, that is something Mm -hmm. that I tell people. And I think about someone I was working with about two years ago. She also worked for someone who was just off the rails. And I said, you've got to be writing these things down. And one good way to do that is to go to your personal email and write yourself an email to your personal email and start tracking these things because that way you have a date and a timestamp, you know, of, of what happened. But I think... Again, in small offices, it is hard to take action um, unless it's criminal behavior and you did the best thing. You just you just got out. I just got out. But I guess that my best advice then would be for young people is to to talk to your peers and find out what's happening in their work situations. And that way you'll know if what's going on in your life is uh, is not acceptable or um is it just something that comes with the territory that you hadn't thought of? Um, but nobody should treat anybody like garbage. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, another thing, you know, you talk about training the other person. When you're interviewing, I think it's important to ask, why did the other person leave? How long were they here? Mm-hmm. Because if it was a revolving door, that's a sign. That's a sign. And there's yeah. no way they can spin that. They will try. They will say, oh, this person went back to school or they moved away. But if they had like three people in the same job in one year, you just need to say, oh, OK, that's really interesting. Thanks. And then wrap it up and mm-hmm. move on. Right. You know, I had a laser sharp focus of of getting myself into the situation that I was getting myself into with the whole um front office, back office legalities of a medical office. That's what I wanted to know. So I don't know in the interview process, had they said to me, you always have to wear a dress. I don't know if it would have clicked for me that that was just a misogynistic sort of, I don't know, um, unacceptable thing in the 2000s. And it was, I believe it was 1999 when I took that job. I, I don't, I know that that's not acceptable at the time, but I don't know if I would have cared about that when I was interviewing Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And things are a little different today. I do think we are well aware or we're more aware, I should say. We're more aware. And I think certain behavior doesn't pass the way it did 20 years ago. But that's not to say that it doesn't happen because unfortunately it still does. Yeah. Yeah. I think your advice of talking to peers is also a good one because you want to do like a gut check. Like, hey, this person said something to me, especially if it's your first job out of college. You know, you might not know what to expect. And you can talk to your friend and say, hey, my boss said this or a coworker said that. Is that, you know, is that acceptable? And get get a second opinion. Well, as the kids would say, it didn't pass the vibe check. Didn't pass the vibe check. Oh my gosh! Well, Tim, Tamara, I really appreciate you sharing your story because I do think it is helpful. Um, tell us where people can find you. I am in Beverly Hills on Linden Drive, and if you want more information, you can find my website www.laacupuncture.net. Okay, and you have a book coming out this summer, and we'll talk to you again then, huh? I am excited about that. Oh, wonderful! Great. Thank you, Tamara. You're welcome. Have Take a good care. day, Diana. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Job Talk Weekly. Leave us a review. Let us know what topics you want to hear. And we're always on socials on Instagram and Facebook, Job Talk Weekly, and our website, jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.